0: There are times in our lives when we struggle, when we're full of anxiety, of fear, of hopelessness. What if there was someone in our life who cared for us, who had the power to give us genuine hope, even in the midst of all we go through? There is someone, the Bible identifies him as the God of the universe, and he loves us deeply. He is our heavenly father. cares for us he is the son of god who took our place he is the holy spirit who lives inside of us and is our daily helper all three are expressions of the one true god let's meet with this god exactly where we are right here and now and try to better know the God who loves me. Well,
1: good morning, everyone. So great to be here at our Sugar Land campus today with all of you here. It's always an honor and a privilege when our pastor asks uh, us to be able to come on to the platform and to share a message with you. I'm so thankful that he is open to that. I'm excited this morning to share with you from God's word. Uh, If you don't know who I am, I'm Tim Homa, I happen to be the campus pastor over at our Richmond-Rosenberg campus, so good to meet you. Welcome uh, to our church this morning, and uh, welcome to all of you watching online. Maybe it's not morning where you're watching, maybe it's the evening, maybe you're having dinner, lunch, coffee, you're on the treadmill, Good job. and you're just hanging out listening this morning, so glad that you're here with us as well. I need to give a shout out to Richmond-Rosenberg, but here's why. Today, we're two years old. So Richmond Rosenberg, let's hear it! Woo, 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 woo. Happy birthday to us. It has been an unbelievable ride. We opened two years ago this weekend in the middle of a pandemic, and God continues to do amazing things at our campus. We continue to grow. It's exciting. If you've never been there, shame on you. Come visit us. Come get a tour. Come check out our campus. We're easy to find. We're right between Boot Barn and DPS. You get your license or your cowboy boots, just stop in and say hi. We'd love for you to come by and see us. Well, we are in the middle of a series called The God Who Loves Me. And last week we heard about a God who is all-powerful, ever-present, all-knowing, ever-caring. He's a God that wants to have an intimate, personal relationship Relationship with us. Isn't that great? He's just not a a creator God or creator father who's out in the distance hovering out in space, but he wants to be intimately acquainted with us and have a deep relationship with us. Well, today we're going to look at Jesus, who this man is that we call Jesus. Because I think it's important because there's a lot of different viewpoints in the world about who Jesus is. The Mormons believe that God created spiritual children. And they lived in spirit for a while. And then Jesus was one of those spiritual children that ascended to Godhood because of his good living. And the reason why he is the Godhead is because he just happened to be born before you and I were. Jehovah Witnesses believe that Jesus was a created being superior to us, but inferior to God. And that in the Old Testament, he was Michael the archangel. But then when he was born and walked on the earth, he lived a good life, a really good life, and died on a cross. But he wasn't resurrected physically, only spiritually. So let me ask you a question as we begin today. Who is this man named Jesus? And what difference does it make? Because if you answer that question, as you begin to answer that question, and you learn about who it is that he is, you'll want to know more about him. You'll desire to know more about him. You'll dig deeper into God's word because you want to know who this person Jesus is. And today in this message, I'm not going to tell you what I think about Jesus or who I think Jesus is. I'm going to tell you who he is according to the book that he inspired to be written about him and his father's redemptive plan for the beginning to the end of the world. So if you have your Bibles with you this morning, why don't you open up to Matthew chapter 16? That's where we're gonna begin looking at Jesus. And here we find Jesus, he's hanging out with his disciples. And he's beginning to prepare them for what was gonna happen to him in the next few days and a few moments of his life. He talks to his disciples about the persecution that he's gonna receive, how he's gonna be treated, how he's gonna die on a cross, and how he's going to rise from the dead Three days later. But he wants to ask his disciples a question. So begin with me in Matthew 16, verse 13. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist. Others say Elijah. Still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, what about you? He asked, who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. So how would you today answer that question? Who is this man called Jesus? And really, what difference does it make who he is? Well, here's the difference it makes. Once you get to know him, once you understand who he is, it's going to mold your character. No matter who you are, where you're at in your world, no matter when you come to that point, when you come to understand who Jesus is and you respond to him in the right fashion, it's going to mold your character. It's going to influence your lifestyle. It's going to determine where you spend eternity. So the question we want to ask is, how do we get to know? How do we find out who this Jesus is? Because I want you at the end of this message to answer this question. Will I believe the testimony of Scripture about him, or will I not? Will I accept this person for who he says he is, or will I not? Because I want you to remember this. If you reject Jesus, you reject the Word of God. You cannot accept the Word of God and reject Jesus. If you accept Jesus... You accept the Word of God. If you accept the Word of God, you have to accept Jesus. They're inseparable. They're totally connected. They have to. We have to set that. I have to establish that right at the beginning here. So now let's discover who this person Jesus is. And we have to begin someplace. So let's begin at the birth of Jesus. We know that Jesus was born of a virgin. He was born in Bethlehem. Angels sang and announced his arrival he was born into a world he created. See, Jesus was pre-existent with the Father. He did not begin at birth. Let me show you what Scripture says about that. That's not my opinion. John chapter one, beginning in verse one, says this: "In the beginning was the Word." See, the W is capital. That means that word, word, is Jesus. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him, through Jesus, all things were made. Without Him, nothing was made that was made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of men. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. In the beginning was the word. Those words, in the beginning, in the Greek, are identical to the first words in the Bible in Genesis 1 1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. It is not by accident, it's not by coincidence. John is specifically saying that in the beginning of the world, Jesus existed. Before there was matter, before there was anything made, Jesus was. Right there at the beginning, he is there already. And that's the point of in the beginning. And another confirmation that I think that John is making here is that he says the next thing is that all things were made through him, through Jesus. So Jesus was there at the start, at the creation of everything. So John has creation in his mind as he writes these words, in the beginning. Jesus was there as the Son of God from the beginning. Want more proof? Let's look at John chapter 8, verse 58. Jesus says, Very truly I tell you, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. John 17, verse 5. Now, Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. Jesus was in heaven before creation. Jesus has always existed. Therefore, that makes this birth, the birth of Jesus, exceptional. And here's what really happened at his birth. God invaded the earth. He came to earth and was fully clothed in human flesh and walked among us in order to reveal to us absolutely God's perfect will and plan. The Old Testament people had a great conception about God, but not the conception that you and I are privileged to have ever since Jesus walked among us. You see... In human form, Jesus walked as always being God. Never at any time in his life did he ever stop being God. He was continuously, uninterrupted God. He was both God and man. So when we ask the question, who is this man named Jesus? You begin with his birth. You examine his birth. You examine everything about his birth that happened. And you have to acknowledge that this was not a normal birth and that this is not a normal man. For he lived before he was born, born into a world that he created. Well, the second thing that I would want to know, once we learned about his birth, I would want to know about his life, the life of Jesus. If I really want to know who this man Jesus is. We know that his, he was born in Bethlehem. He lived in Nazareth. He worked alongside his earthly father, Joseph, as a carpenter. But then we don't hear anything for the longest time. There's silence in the early years of Jesus's life, except for one time, one moment, when there was a Passover festival, which his parents, Mary and Joseph, brought him to Jerusalem. And guess what? They lost Jesus. Yeah, Mary and Joseph lost Jesus in the crowd. And Jesus, we know, ended up at the temple, at the church, to teach religious leaders. But his parents were freaked out. This is the only thing that's written about it, but it's important that we see this. Look in Luke chapter 2 where it's recorded, beginning in verse 47. Everyone who heard him, this is Jesus, was amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me? He asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? but they didn't understand what he was saying. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. His parents didn't understand it, but what is interesting here is that Jesus, Son of God, God himself, living as truly God, living truly as man, was still obedient to his parents. You see, Jesus was an absolute sinless man. And then we don't hear anything for the longest time until we hear a story about John the Baptist. John the Baptist was this crazy guy living out in the wilderness, eating honey and locusts. He had hair so long that he could wrap it around his waist as a belt, and he comes out of the wilderness preaching that the kingdom of God is at hand. He's challenging people to confess of their sins and to be baptized, and he's holding these baptism services in the river. And then one day, he stops, and he points. And recorded in John 1 he says this, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He's pointing at Jesus. And Jesus comes down to the river and he looks at John. He goes, John, I need you to baptize me. And John's like, what are you, nuts? You, want me to, you need to baptize me. I, I can't baptize you. And Jesus is like, no, you need to baptize me in order for me to fulfill my Father's will. And John said, Okay and he baptizes Jesus, and as Jesus comes out of the water, the skies open up, and the Spirit of God comes upon Jesus. And then we hear these words that are recorded in Mark chapter 1, verse 11. You are my son, whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. So after this baptism service, the next thing we find out about Jesus, he's in the wilderness. He goes into the wilderness for 40 days and for 40 nights to be with his father as they begin to prepare for his ministry years on earth. He's there to spend time and be prepared to do the father's will. And while he's in the wilderness, Satan arrives. And Satan comes to tempt, to try, to divert Jesus from his mission. And every attempt to try to destroy Jesus fails because Jesus continued to quote scripture, the very essence of his life against Satan. And Satan realizes he's been defeated, and he leaves. And that begins the launching of his ministry. He's filled with the Spirit of God, and he comes out preaching that the kingdom of God is at hand. And people hear his words, and they're impressed with his words, and they're drawn to his words. He loved people, and people loved him. And so many people would come and see him, but there was a group of people who did not love Jesus. They criticized him. They plotted against him. They wanted to destroy him. But you see, his life was an absolutely sinless, perfect life. Absolute sinless, perfect life. You see, he never stopped being God when he walked on the water or when he walked on land. He never stopped being God when he touched or healed a leper. He never stopped being God when he called children to him. He was God and man all the time. You want to know who he is? You look at his life. Do you wanna know who Jesus is? You look at his birth. He's not just a man, he is the God-man walking on the face of the earth. And it's very important that you and I understand that about Jesus today. So if I wanted to find out more about who someone is, I would wanna know what they say about themselves. If you and I wanted to be friends, I would wanna know about how you talk about yourself and what you think about yourself. What are you interested in? What are your dreams and your hopes and your plans? That's what I would wanna do. So if we want to know who this man Jesus is, we want to know what he said about himself. Jesus said many things about himself. And I want you to think about this, that today people reject him for the things that he says because they think that he's narrow-minded. They think he's a bigot. They think he's egotistical. How could Jesus be the only way to heaven? That's what people believe. And they have rejected him because it's too narrow for them to believe. But you and I, we have to decide. We have to decide, is this man the Son of God? Is this man the Savior of the world? Is he an imposter? Is he a liar? Is he someone we will reject? Or is he who he says he is? So what did he say about himself? He said he was the Son of God. He said, he and I are the Father are one. He said, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. And we've seen in John chapter 14, verse 6, we talked about it last week. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That statement alone has caused more people to step back and not believe in Jesus, saying he was too egotistical, too prideful. Jesus said he's the good shepherd. He's the bread of life, the light of the world, the door of life. He's the way, the truth, and the very life itself. In all of these statements about himself that he made, he's either a liar, a counterfeit, a fraud, or he is who he says he is. The eternal son of the living God. And one day we will stand before the judgment, every single one of us, And then you will look to see who he really is. So let me say this. You either have to believe that Jesus is who he says he is or not. There's no gray area here. You either believe in who he says he is or you don't. There's no I kinda. One way or the other. Now if we continue, if we really want to know who this Jesus is, we have to look at his death. The death of Jesus. We know that he died. We know that he died in Jerusalem. We know of the place called Golgotha. We know of the Calvary. We know of the cross. And if I'm gonna find out who Jesus really is, I have to look at his death. See, his death was plotted by religious leaders. The same religious leaders who preached the law of Moses to nausea to the point where they forced it upon the people that followed them so hard that they felt like they were in bondage to the law of Moses. Here were men who lived every single day to honor the law of Moses, but yet they were the most ungodly of men. They were jealous of Jesus. They resented Jesus. They were hostile toward Jesus. Because of the crowds following him, they were jealous. Something, something must be wrong if these people are following Jesus and not following us. And so we need to get rid of this guy. In spite of the fact that they followed the law of Moses, they were willing to step out of the simple, basic laws of Scripture that said, thou shalt not kill. Because of their resentment and hatred toward Jesus, they plotted to have him killed, to have him removed from society. They were all about the greed for position and authority. So when we look at the death of Jesus, we see that it was plotted by men who hated Jesus, not by common man. Plotted by the religious leaders of that day, they did not know who Jesus was. It was performed by Roman soldiers. They did not know who Jesus was. They hung two thieves on a cross, and then they hung Jesus, the living God, clothed in human flesh, walking among men, born of a virgin, growing up as a child, as a teenager, absolutely sinless, beginning his ministry in the power of the Holy Spirit, preaching the kingdom of God is at hand, never harming anyone, never rebelling against the government. You never hear him talk about Rome, anything against it. Did he say he was a king? Yes, he said he was king of the Jews. And then he was crucified on the cross. And some would say it was a tragedy. It was a horrible, horrible way to die for any person, at that time. Why was he dying? Because he was a rebel? No. Because he was an insurrectionist? No. Because he violated the law? No. Because God the Father planned with Jesus and the Holy Spirit before the world ever began, knowing that man would fall and sin before them and would be helpless and hopeless to save themselves. God the Father predestined Planned the death of Jesus, because when Jesus died, it was not simply a man who died. It was not simply a crucifixion. It was an awesome, eternal scene, a scene in which God the Father placed the sins upon his Son, all the sins of mankind, past, present, future, even the sins of those who crucified him. And placing that sin burden and that sin debt upon his son, he then punished his Son. All the wrath of God was directed upon him, released upon him, unleashed upon him. And Jesus, the Son of God, God in human flesh, nailed to a cross, cried out to his Father in Matthew chapter 26, 27, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And in those moments, suffering the punishment that men would suffer, that all of us would suffer for eternity, who denied Jesus, who reject Jesus, who die without Jesus, to live eternally without God, to live eternally separated from God, having failed for the very purpose to which you and I were created, to love and to worship the living God. Jesus on the cross paid our sin debt in full. No one else has, no one else could, because no one else was perfect. No one else has ever lived a sinless life except for Jesus. It was the sinless Son of God who took sin upon himself because he was holy and perfect and righteous. But if I really want to know who he is, I have to look beyond his death because every one of us here, we're going to die. And we will be known by our birth, by our life, what we said about ourselves, and our death. But you see, because he's the son of the living God walking in human form, that was not the end because he did exactly what he promised to do. He rose from the dead three days later. He shocked his disciples. He shocked other people. The disciples were so shocked, they sprinted down to the tomb to see the proof that Jesus was alive. Thomas, who wasn't there at the time, one of his disciples says, I won't believe it until I touch the scarred hands of Jesus, which he got the awesome privilege of doing. So for us to know who Jesus is and to have the importance of knowing the difference of knowing who he is, we have to know about his resurrection and his ascension. See, Jesus revealed himself after his resurrection to hundreds of people so there would be no realistic doubt that he, said what he, that he did what he said he was going to do, rise from the dead. And then Paul could say in Philippians chapter two, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Have you ever wondered what Jesus is doing now since he ascended into heaven? In Hebrews chapter 10, it tells us that he ascended into heaven and that he is seated at the right hand of God. So if you look at verse 13 here, you kind of get the impression that he's still sitting next to his father, waiting for that time to come back. But when you do a dig or dive into scripture, when you really look into the areas of scripture that talk about Jesus after the ascension, you'll see that he's very busy right now. He's very active in our lives, doing things on our behalf. First of all, even though the Son is with the Father in heaven, he is also living in every believer through the person of the Holy Spirit whom he sent to us when we surrendered our life to him. And we'll hear more about the Holy Spirit next week from Pastor Mark. Jesus is actively working within us to shape our character and to empower our obedience toward God. Next, Jesus lives to intercede for those who believe in him. He makes requests on behalf on their behalf and brings our prayers before the Father. Look what it says in Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25. Therefore, he is able to save completely, those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. When you're going through a difficult time, when you're struggling, when you find it hard to pray, Jesus goes right before God and says, I got you. I know what you need. And I'm going before the Father on your behalf. Then we see in 1 John chapter 2 that Jesus is an advocate for our sin. Positioned between us and God, Christ declares our righteousness Standing before us because of his sacrifice and our faith in him. Hey, I know what Tim did, God. Father, I know it was against what you wanted. He thought those things. He said those things. I know that's sin, but I died for him. I paid the price for his sin. I sacrificed for him. He's pure and righteous. 1 John 2 says, My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he himself is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for those of the whole world. And even more of what Jesus is doing today. He's preparing a place for us in heaven. And he's also arranged the events necessary for his return. Look what it says in John chapter 14. Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may be also. Jesus is busy in heaven carrying out the Father's will and really As followers, we should be doing the same thing. Our life is about reflecting the work of his spirit within us through our work, through our words, through our behavior. We are Jesus. We're his hands, his feet, his eyes, his ears, pointing people to him, pointing people to Jesus. You see, Herod couldn't kill him. The devil couldn't destroy him. The grave couldn't hold him. He is the living Christ, the living God. You'll never be able to say, I don't know who he is. Yeah, you do. I just told you. And everything I shared with you today was not an opinion. I quoted scripture to back up every single statement I made about Jesus, about his birth, about his life, about what he said about himself, about his death, about his resurrection, about his ascension, and about his coming again. You'll never be able to say, I don't know who he is. And one of these days when you stand before him in the judgment, you can't say, well, if I only heard about Jesus, you've heard, you've heard it today. If I only had somebody explain it to me, I've explained it. Based on scripture, based on his word. So will you be wise enough to accept the testimony of the living word of God and accept Jesus as your personal savior? Will you surrender your life to him if you've never done that before? Become a child of God, sealed by the Holy Spirit, and when one day when you face death, you face it fearlessly because scripture says, absent from the body is present with the Lord. For one, every one of us is children of God, knowing that our body is not ours, no matter how decrepit and diseased it is, one day we'll stand before him new. You know, maybe you'll say, you know what, I'm not going to make that decision today. I'm going to wait on it. You're choosing today to reject Jesus. Or maybe today you said, for the first time in my life, I've heard about this man named Jesus, and I want to make a decision to follow him the rest of my life. And you say, what do I do? Well, in this moment, I'm going to have everyone bow our heads, and I'm going to pray a prayer. And if it's your desire today in your heart to receive Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, would you pray this prayer with me now? Lord Jesus, I do believe the testimony of your word. It's you, the Son of God, that you died on the cross for my sins. I'm asking you to forgive me for my sins. I'm placing my trust in you to forgive me to save me and to make me one of your children. Take me home to heaven when I die. Amen. And if you simply tell him that with all of your heart, you know what just happened? Your life now is gonna move toward being molded in character. It's gonna have an impact on your lifestyle. It's gonna influence what you believe. And you know what just happened? You just had your eternal destination changed forever. Amen? Why don't we pray together? God, we thank you for your son, Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He is our direct connection to you. He's our advocate. He intercedes for us. He's our brother. He's our friend. He paid the ultimate sacrifice for all of us so that we could live freely. have eternity with you. Who is this man named Jesus? He's everything we need him to be, everything we've ever wanted him to be. We pray this in his name. Amen.